and we're live. All right, let's get it. What's up, guys? We're talking. What is up? Ooh, it's gonna be a good one tonight, and tonight is a hot button topic. Speaking of buttons, right off the bat, I need everybody to hit the like and share button right now because this this one right here is about to be a game changer okay game changer for sure for sure uh in fact i'm i'm i'm, I'm going to be first partakers of my own words i'm about to go right now on my own page and share right now All right, I've shared. So, um, man, <sighs> 2021. How have you been, Justin? And uh, I'm starting off the year pretty strong, actually. Um, you know, getting started on some of my goals uh, that I, you know, have set. Uh, finally started, well, I'll put it this way. I went back to the gym for the first time yesterday since nice. quarantine started Very. okay okay that's good so, that's good go. trying to get back in the in the swing of things uh you know i went uh and tried to put on some of the uh weight that i used to do a year ago and um mm -hmm. yeah you hurt yourself right there <laughs> I was that's like, oh, you hurt yourself right there. Yeah, I can't do that right now. I'm gonna have to lighten that load a little bit. Yeah, slowly, slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. Like crazy numbers when I was deployed, and I was like, man, and I came back stateside, and I tried doing it not too long ago, and I'm like, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't. Numbers, yeah. No that's gonna be me uh, when I finally get to my deployed location and finally start lifting weights again. It's gonna be, I'm. I'm gonna be pr be pretty mad. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I gotta, I gotta cut that down. There was a couple mm -hmm. exercises I went to do. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have to warm back up into this one. I can't, <laughs> I can't mm -hmm. just jump out. Emily is the first one to comment. Emily, hey, Emily, how are you? You are in here every week with us. Appreciate you. We appreciate you so much. And all of you that are tuned in, uh, we have a couple uh, milestones this week. Um, number one, we are now on Spotify. Um, we've gotten that hooked up since our last um, podcast last week. Also, um, we are over 100 people that are subscribed to us here on the Facebook page. That also happened this week. So that is awesome. That is awesome. Appreciate. So that's all. Thanks to you guys liking and sharing, like you've been doing. Keep that up. Oh man, somebody really special is in the comments, guys. Ooh, look who it is. Lynchy yeah. and the smiley. Um. So yeah, I guess I got to do my good talking tonight, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I mean. Let let let's do this first. I I, I have to. I want to. I want to bring this this up. This came up in the new. Well, before we do that, how have you guys been? Uh, I've been all right. I've been all right. Great. Just same same stuff. 
day in, day out, wake up, go to lunch, get my temperature tanking, go to sleep, do it over again. <laughs> I got some school to keep me occupied, so um, so it's not it's not too bad. But uh, you know, quarantine it's crazy. The life of of quarantine, you gotta love it. Mm-hmm. Gotta love gotta it. Gotta love it. So. Something kind of interesting happened a couple weeks ago that was in the news. And I think that this story is um, a great way to kind of get our conversation started um, this week, right? So um, this is a couple weeks ago that a or it might've been a week ago, actually, um, at, that there's a Congressman who says a prayer <laughs> and in his prayer, this guy's from Missouri and the, uh, his name is representative Emmanuel Cleaver. The second he gives, uh, the opening prayer on the opening day of the 117th Congress, right? At the close of his prayer, he says, a man and a woman. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't, I don't even know, I don't even know what to to say about that. He said, (laughs) you guys see that? Yeah, I watched the clip and the way he said it, like I was watching his body motions while he was saying it, and he sounded so reluctant to say it. He said, Amen, and a woman. <laughs> I was like, What? He <laughs> <laughs> was so reluctant to say it. Like, he was like, I really don't want to say this. It's like, Who put you up to this? What, what made this cross your mind? Well, um, funny story. I was watching the, uh, um, the impeachment hearings and all that kind of stuff. And they were calling. So, you know how they say gentlemen now in the Senate and the house, they call them gentle women or gentle lady mm-hmm. um, in the house and Senate. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, I guess I could, you know, from that perspective, I was like, okay, so that kind of makes sense that, you know, homie got up there and said a woman, you know what I mean? So <laughs> the only problem I have with it is that a man is not, like that word has nothing to do with gender. <laughs> nope, not at all. So, racist part about it. It was like, dude, what? What's up with you? But mm-hmm. on the flip side of it, I thought that it there there is an angle or line of thought to say that maybe in religion. Christianity specifically, that maybe we are not as um, gender equal as we should be. Yes. And so, though that is a very extreme way of acknowledging that, um, and, and honestly, I think the guy made himself look very stupid in, in saying that, I do think that we do have to dig into the conversation 
of misogyny within religion. Yeah. And misogyny within the church. Um, and my fear is that sometimes we will use the scripture to perpetuate misogynistic attitude and behavior. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that that is really right. So, uh, Caleb, you had sent us some things to go through and I'll let you pick it up from here and we'll kind of go through the conversation. But before we get started any further, if you're on here, I'm telling you, you need to like this. You need to share this. This is this is this is going to be part one of however many parts this goes. We're going in depth on this uh, this topic of does church treat women right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Caleb? for sure. I would say that this is going to be at least a at least a two part series um, because what we really want this is not just going to be three dudes sitting up here talking about what women have went through um, next weekend. Um, Lord willing, hopefully we're going to have a young lady come on um, who has dealt with the church and misogyny in the church. And she's going to detail her experiences about, you know, what happened with her as a woman growing up as a millennial in the church. So we want all of our female uh, commenters and participants to please in the comments, detail your experiences below and please enlighten us on some things that we may have not even noticed as sure. as we were growing up into the church. Um, but I particularly feel like this is a really, really needed conversation because it the church. I'm just going to be frank. The church has really done women wrong um, from I mean, Philip, Justin, from where how we grew up, y'all already know women were done absolutely wrong yeah, we're gonna get into that here in a little bit but it's just it's a conversation that needs to happen and it's also a conversation that we need to have in order to provide clarity yes. on the subject of women and the church yes so the first question i want to ask the panel is from a millennial's perspective how were women treated when you were growing up so in other words, what did you see as a young boy growing up into the church? Philip, take it away. Uh, I mean, the traditional church, and um, at least in the circle that we grew up in, um, women were seen as lower. And I mean, this has kind of been a society, um, I mean, this was kind of a society back in, uh, you know, 60s, 70s, you know, and, and even somewhat still today. Um, but, you know, in, in earlier years, it was a lot worse. Um, and growing up, you know, it was, you know, often said in our circles and stuff that, if you know, uh, the woman's not as high as the man. And I've even heard people over the pulpit, like, call women, like, beneath dogs and, and stuff. And, and I'm just going to like, what? Like, and the crazy thing is, to me, at a young age, it didn't make sense. But it's like going, going towards trying to call somebody out about it and tell them that they're wrong about it. It's just kind of like, well, how am I going to prove that? You know? And grant, and, and like I said, I was I was very young, and just certain things that just didn't sound right. Like a lot of times, 
and, and, and this is a big one, like, you know, oh, women shouldn't uh, be preachers or speakers, you know, they shouldn't be on stage or in the pulpit or something like that. And, and I still remember one thing my wife told me when her and I were having this discussion, and she was like, uh, there's a lot of men out there that won't do the job. So God will use a woman to do it. And, and my, my wife's favorite person in the Bible is Esther. Um, and, you know, y'all know the story of Esther and everything. So, um, and, and, I mean, we just hear how women were lowered. And yeah, there you go. Uh, they're meant to be submissive. Um, they love, especially especially ministers, they love quoting the, oh, women need to be submissive to your husband and stuff like that. Uh, I, and I mean, we're, we're, we're going to probably dive into that a little bit later. Um, but that is kind of used as a some as a tool or almost as a weapon to try to tell women like you know if you don't do what your man tell you to do, then you not godly or you 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 know, we, we, you know I can put you away or something like that you know so um, th there's there's just a lot and honestly I could go on and on there's just so much um ridiculous comments and and attitudes that i feel like traditional church has had toward women um mm -hmm. over the years and it's kind of uh and, and i feel like because that was in the church it probably uh leaked into the rest of the world as well and i feel like that's probably why society especially years ago used to treat women as less than is mainly because of that um, Christian culture, because because I mean, you got to remember, like back in you know the early 1900s and stuff, like Christianity, like kind of what dictated how a lot of laws were made and how um, uh, different governors or presidents or rulers ruled their 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 domains, um, and, and they really did it out of a out of context scripture kind of thing, but uh yeah they, they use the bible to do it i mean i mean we can even go to slavery like slave masters use use the bible to try and 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 tell slaves how they should be um so i and and that's why i say in the, in the traditional church sense i feel like that like all that all that stuff kind of came from from that so uh yeah with, with, with that we'll pass it to justin justin what you got First of all, Emily is going off in these comments. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Woo! All right, I'm not. I'm not even going to touch that yet. We're so going to get there. We're going to get there. Growing up, so I, I will start this way. Um, you know, coming up, we came up with a very, very traditional method. Um, even in my own personal, um, you know, like my mom didn't work growing up. Um for most of my life she you know she stopped working when i was very young um you know she she thought that that was the way that god wanted it and a lot of people make that those assumptions so you know uh in many cases like hey the man is supposed to provide and even in cases where people believe the woman uh, is it's okay for her to work they they'll still you know like oh, it's a man's job to provide and the woman you you stay home and you take care of your children and you take care of the household and you know uh the man makes the money women be submissive to your husbands as unto the lord and man if we could only break down what it really means to be submitted to god whew, mm -hmm. you'd probably change your mind 
oh, about yeah. that because it doesn't mean just listen to everything God says. And that's why so many of us have missed it because we just, when we look at God legalistically and don't understand the kingdom, but that's a whole nother conversation. Cause <laughs> um, I think that when I look at how women were treated, there was a lot of rules and legalism surrounding women, how they should dress, how they should talk, how they should walk, how they should behave themselves in the presence of other, uh, of, of well, should, should behave themselves in the presence of men, uh, you know, the places that they could or could not go. Um, you know, uh, it, there were just so many rules set up um, at the women. And, and what I found in many cases, since we're talking about church specifically, is oftentimes I found a double standard oh, yeah. between how the men were treated and how the women were treated. Now, in, in my pr prior years, this wasn't something that I would have had a problem with, to be honest with you, um, because I saw the scriptures in the light uh, that it was taught to me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I really began to pull that lens off and say, what are the ac scriptures actually saying? What are they saying to me? Or what are they really, not what they're saying to me, because that's eisegesis. What are they saying, period? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when I really began to look and do some critical analysis, I found that the scriptures really weren't saying what I had assumed, and that maybe women were not being treated as fairly as they should, as equal as they should, and that, and that they were not even necessarily being treated as Jesus would treat them or as God had created them. You know, recently uh, at my church, we had a minister to, to preach and he said to the women in the congregation, he said, the interesting thing about women is that God did not create them out of dirt. He created the men out of the dirt, but to the woman, he created her out of something else and that it, and when you think about it, it's interesting how man was created from the dust of the earth and you know, ash to ashes, dust to dust and all that stuff. But when your body decomposes, your skeleton is still there. Mm -hmm. And so God made the woman out of something different, you know, and that is very important. Um, it, 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 it allows us to see how God designed the woman, how he formed her, how he took his time with her. Um, it's kind of funny, even recently I was talking to my wife and I said, it is so interesting how a man without muscles, he's pretty much blah. Like you don't, you don't look that good, buddy. But a woman, she doesn't have to work out. She, like, she you know, cause they, they are just made um, differently. God has done something different with the woman, but I don't think we always, we always treat them in that manner. And we use scriptures uh, and people love to go back to the whole Adam and Eve piece and 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 say that Eve was um wow Woo! Woo! man she going off <laughs> I saw she's going off I was like, she's been on waiting on this one. 
<laughs> we might have to send her a link. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I'm I'm gonna hurry up so we can keep this conversation going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a lot of times we like to use that Adam and Eve deal and to, to use the curse of the fall and use that as an excuse for how women are treated. And I think that is a biblical error. Um, yes. And and I think that it is in many cases our view of scriptures not understanding them within their proper context, both both in context of the wording and in context of culture and in context of history that causes us to try to extrapolate the ideas that we get from that and throw that onto women in the 21st century. And it is it is messed up. That's right. That is so true. Um, fellas, I think we're seeing a pattern here with the things that we talk about. You wanna see the main problem with that I see Christianity has? The perpetual use of eisegesis when trying to interpret scripture. Yes. With everything. Yeah. Yes. And literally it every conversation. Yeah. Literally. Like because we, we, we may sound like a broken record right now, but it's literally the problem right now. Yep. Um, but now, I personally feel what I saw, I saw a lot of misogyny. I didn't know it was called misogyny when I was a kid, but Same. now that I'm older, I saw a lot of misogyny and, you know, I'm not okay with that. I saw a lot of disgusting behavior, you know, men that felt entitled to women's bodies, you know, men that felt entitled to women. I saw that as a kid. Yes. And now that I am older, I'm just like, that's not okay because that's that same mindset that thinks it's okay to touch a woman when she doesn't consent. Here we go. <laughs> that's that's that same mindset. So when I get older, I'm like, mm, that's not okay. And also, women were looked at as things, yes. not people. They're looked at as objects, property, something to be something to be ogled. Well. Um, what, what one, one, one thing that, that I thought about like when I was young is like I was like we had this culture surrounding women about how we should view them how we should treat them or whatever and I'm just sitting up here like what if I was to put myself in a woman's shoes like would I appreciate the way I was acting towards that woman nope and, and that's that, the, that's, that's what, what kind of helped me mold my 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 view and everything and my my own personal convictions about women uh, growing up is just because of that like i'm like well let me put myself in her shoes and be like how would i feel if you know yeah yeah and honest yeah like that that's what kind of opened my mind to this um we were told across the pulpit now this is across the pulpit that's that crazy. women are the weaker vessel and that they should be subservient to men and women can't have an opinion they can't work and they better want children. If you as a woman make up the decision in your mind that you don't want children, then the people of the traditional church are gonna think something's wrong with you. 100. And, and th th that, that's one thing that I have, I have seen and it's not set well with me because in my mind, I'm just like, well, I'd rather a woman make the decision that she does not want to have children than to have children and don't want them. Dead on. Say that one more time. I would rather a woman to make her decision to say, I don't want children than to have children because everybody else wants her to have them and don't want them. Right. So I think, and, and the, go ahead. 
and the thing is, is the church has not really given a woman a choice in a sense. They've not really given women a choice. It's just like, all right, we men can do whatever we want and you women are just along for the ride. Right. It's like, this is a man's world. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Next question. Next question. Biblically, are women allowed to preach? And if they're allowed to preach, are they allowed to pastor? Justin, take that one away. <laughs> All right. So, and I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give some opinions on this. And and if I'm honest, this is one I'm not a hundred percent comfortable with yet. Yes, All the way. Now let let me give you let me give you this. So first, let let's deal with context. When we talk about order, right? Because we're trying we're trying to make sure that we do this in order. Sometimes when we are trying to emulate exactly what was done in scripture, if we do that without understanding the cultural context, I think we'll make some mistakes. And so my prior stance, this isn't where I was now, but this is where I stood now. Women are to keep silent in the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I suffer a woman not to teach. First Timothy 2, you 11, 12. Authority over a man. And then because mm-hmm. I was um, someone who would take the eisegesis and they become clever with it, my other scripture that I would use is that every time people were saved, uh, in scripture or seeking salvation or the Holy Ghost, the phrase that it would say was men and brethren or sirs. Um, and that's who they were addressing. And I used that to say that the men were the only ones preaching. Therefore, they should be the only ones preaching, mm-hmm. which seemed logical at the time. However, Further review shows that there is a very strong cultural norm that runs through the theme of the scriptures, not just in the Old Testament, but also within the New Testament. We are still dealing with Jewish or Hebrew people. That being said, and, and also the times that it was written in and the, con- the, the context of even who it was being written to uh, yeah. makes a big difference as well. So when you're talking about a strong Hebrew culture uh, during the times and everything, men were the only ones doing it, yes. But this is not necessarily something that God said, right? Mm-hmm. And And if we're going to go based off of this whole Adam and Eve thing of the woman has to be submitted under the man, um, first of all, submission means support. It means to come under a mission. So if there's no mission, then there can't be submission. But furthermore, the Adam and Eve thing with, you know, Adam works by the sweat of his brow and Eve, you have to bear children in silence. That was a curse, or or in pain, sorry, not silence, bear children in pain. That was a curse. That was not not God's original order. And the scripture says that Jesus, by his blood, has removed the curse. 
So I'm not going to cast woman under the curse that Jesus removed and call that Christianity. So what I've come to with understanding, first of all, suffer a woman, uh, uh, or sorry, uh, the women are to keep silent. That was not even talking about preaching at all. It wasn't talking about preaching at all. And then to come to the suffer a woman at the church or usurp authority over man, we're going to have to apply that to every context because it says, or usurp authority over man. So is it okay for a woman to open her own company or have, uh, uh, or, or aren't little boys men? So how does a mother teach her son and tell her son what he should or should not do um, because she has to take authority over him? Um, you know, so I, and, and, and I'm not, I, you know, so when it comes down to the whole preaching piece, um, even when it's, you know, about the suffering a woman not to teach, I don't know that it was necessarily saying women can't proclaim or preach the gospel. That the context of that seems to lend itself more, if we're looking at context, it lends itself more to uh, women being in a pastoral or uh, elder position, um, which was in that culture and in that time held strictly to men. So. To sum it all up, I don't believe that we have enough. Oh, here's the other one. So if a man desire the office of a bishop, which bishop and pastor are interchangeable terms uh, or elder, you know, all of that, um, as far as the original languages are concerned, you know, and so we would say, well, this is, you know, uh, this is if a man desires that office. So, of course, he's got to be the, the man, of the husband of one wife. And we would use that to say, see, it's got to be the man. But it doesn't really make us. It doesn't really make sense to use that if we're actually reading it in context, because the context is not about gender. The context is about monogamy. <laughs> so, to me, I don't have enough scripture to say a woman can't preach. What I do have is Jesus healing women or forgiving sins and telling them to go on their way, and they went on their way testifying. What I do have is the woman coming to the tomb and them being the ones to alert other people that Christ had risen. And, and I don't see God ever condemning that. And so my position personally, where I stand, if we're gonna talk about scriptural context, we don't have enough scripture to stop women from preaching. I say, let them preach. On top of this, this is, was a big turning point and I'll stop here. A big turning point for me was a few years ago, I, you know, I had come up believing that women shouldn't preach. And I stuck by that for years. And what made me go dig was I went to a conference and at this conference, there was a woman that came up to preach and she wasn't boisterous. She wasn't, she wasn't trying to act like a man. She came up there, she had a very beautiful dress. She was very ladylike. She had her makeup and her hair and her nails and her heels. But the woman had such an anointing mm -hmm. to the point where even at the close of her sermon, she begins to call out different ailments in the room. And I'm not talking about your normal, you know, somebody has a headache kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And she says, okay, the Lord said, and you're talking about a room that has close to a thousand people in it. 
And she begins to call out very specific issues and ailments within people and tells them to come to the front. She's going to pray for them and God's going to heal them. And I'm watching people who literally came limping to the altar start running back to their seat. Whew. And I can't deny at this point that God has anointed this woman to this ministry. Yeah. Yep. I can't deny that. And, and so I really then had to wrestle with my interpretation of scripture versus my experience of seeing the power of God flow through this woman because God won't flow through something that he's not going to use, that he doesn't that he doesn't use, that he doesn't want to do. God doesn't operate that way. And so I had to say, if God used this woman to remove these sicknesses from these people, then I have to go back and re-examine my stance. And that, I'll, I'll stop there. Yeah, Philip, Philip, what you got, man? Um, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about women preaching, stuff like that, I'm, and I mean, I'm not even going to try and go over all the stuff Justin did because he, he did a good job at kind of covering all that. But I mean, growing up, you know, like we were told, sometimes over the pulpit, that women shouldn't preach. They shouldn't really even have a position in the church at all. And that never sat right with me either. <laughs> but um, growing, but you know, like I said, I was young, and I, I didn't, I didn't have the, the kind of context, I didn't have the knowledge that I have, that I have now to be able to kind of argue the point that um, that they're wrong. Um, but alluding back to the book of Esther, right? We we there's like a lot of themes in the book of Esther. Um, there's God's interaction with man's will. Um, we see God's hatred of racial prejudice. Um, oh, and we, I mean, yeah, I mean, so, so, there's, so there's, I mean, a lot, a lot of themes in the book of Esther. But one thing that always stood out to me about the book of Esther is that there was a protocol of the day. There was, because the reason why we, we put emphasis on the book of Esther and why it's such a powerful story is because Esther broke the social norm of the day. She had to break the protocol. Come on. Simply save her people. Yeah. To do to do God's will, she had to break the protocol. It was a social yeah. norm. It wasn't a salvation mm -hmm. issue. It wasn't um it wasn't against the Bible or anything. It was just a social norm. And really with that coming up and in, in, in nowadays, you know, we see a lot more women speakers and a lot more uh, um, prophetesses and, and, and we see a lot of women actually walking in things that they were anointed for now. Um, and it's interesting because and I'll and I'll allude back to what my wife said, you know, she's like, I mean, sometimes men just won't do the job. So God will need to use a woman. And it's not like and, and, and I don't want to I don't want that to make it sound like God per, like prioritizes men over women. No, it's not the case at all. Um, he call he he gives everybody an anointing. He gives everybody a calling, and it's it's up it's up to you to chase that calling or not. Um, but the main thing that I like to take away from Esther is that she broke the protocol of the day for the sake of her people. Yeah. And I would say to the women out there, for the sake of the people of the world, just everybody. It, it, even if even if even if people don't agree with what you're doing, do it anyways for the sake of the people. Um, because, I mean, we have a lot of issues today. We have a lot of issues plaguing the world right now, plaguing 
our 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 nation and everything. And um, we 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 we're, we need everybody. We need all hands on deck. Yeah. <laughs> really, is what we need. So um, yeah. I mean, and I'll I'll just kind of pass it back to you, Terry. Yeah, uh, those are all great points, Justin. You touched on um, what I got here, um, which is great. Um, preaching. Uh, let's see here. Matthew twenty-eight, one. It says, "In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher." Yes. All right. Then there was an earthquake. God rolled back uh, the um. The angel of the Lord came down, descended, um, rolled back to stone. The countenance was like lightning. The keepers, the guards became as dead men. And then here it is. The angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he, as he said, come see a place where the Lord lay. Yeah. Okay. Verse 7, he says, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. Now I want to think about this logically because the, the saying he is risen is what the gospel, right? It's part of the gospel. Okay. And the angel of the Lord told two women, Mary and Mary to go tell Mary, Mary, go tell and say he is risen okay so if we're going to think about this logically women were the first to ever proclaim the gospel dead on okay um women were ever for so and you could you could call proclaiming the gospel preaching because that's what you're doing that's right you're just in a you're just in a crowd of People witnessing, witnessing. You know, we tell people to witness. Okay, that's a form of preaching. Yes, it's it like, is. Yeah, you're not, you're not in front of a gigantic crowd of people and they're egging you on. But you, a woman ministering to a coworker at work, that's preaching too. Yeah. So, so the when people take that verse, First Timothy two eleven and twelve, out of context, saying that that means a woman can't preach, um, I, I'd have to disagree. I'd have to disagree because like Justin alluded to, there are so many women that are anointed. Like this isn't a game. They are anointed. And they could preach a house down, prophesy a house down, lay hands on the sick, all that jazz, you know. Um, and, and, and some and, of them do it better than men. Yes, exactly. I was watching a clip. I was watching a clip. There was a preacher. I'll call his name uh, Anthony Mangan. Um, he has a church down in Louisiana where I'm at, and uh, he's he's been a very forward-thinking man um, when it came to pastoring and stuff. He has a church of like I think 1,200 people, and uh, he was preaching somewhere, and he grabbed this young lady's hand, and he said, "You got 30 seconds." He handed her the microphone, "Go," and he was you know preaching a message about something, and when I tell you that lady. She went 30 seconds now. She went off for 30 seconds. She had that place on fire. People repenting, all sorts of stuff. And so when, like you said, Justin, when you see that, you cannot deny that the power of God is moving there. 
Period. You can't say, you cannot say that that's the power of the devil. No way. That was the power of God moving in that service. So like you, like you two, I was always growing up. Women cannot pastor. They can't preach. The only thing they're good for is singing, making food for the potlucks, taking care of children, the whole nine yards. If a woman were to ever, like just in the church that Philip and I used to go to, um, the men could you know, if the men had a testimony, they could walk up on stage and they could speak it over the pulpit. If a woman had a testimony, she couldn't walk up stage. Right. She had to sit. That's right. At the, she had to stay on the floor right. and she couldn't walk up on the platform unless right. she was sitting, unless she was singing. Singing she or, or, ever... or playing the piano in our in our case. You know, yes, in certain yes. in our case. they wouldn't let a, a woman play. You could women couldn't play drums. Yes, I remember that. Yep. I remember mm -hmm. one of my uh, one of my family members. She was a bass player, and I remember hearing so many people have an issue with her being the bass because girls don't play bass, women don't play bass. You know, it's just stupid stuff like that. But sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. cut you off. No, no, you're no. good. You're good. And so, you know, I've seen that, and so I had to change my stance. I was just like, honestly, a woman can preach. Honestly, yeah, a, a woman can preach. But then there was the other issue that I wrestled with, and still in kind of wrestling with to this day. Are they allowed to pastor? And so my uh, example was Timothy was first Timothy three two, where the where it talks about the the when it when it talks about the office of a bishop, office of a deacon, office of an elder. First Timothy three only uses the pronoun, personal pronoun, he. Okay. It never uses a gender neutral pronoun such as they. It only uses a, a gender pronoun such as he so i look at that and i'm just like hmm well a book called he called her okay and it was a pentecostal preacher that had um in the upc that had wrote a book about uh women and ministry and he came from the same ideology as us until he started studying so here's an excerpt from his book his excerpt goes as he says if we were to understand husband of one wife, to mean that only men can be pastors, then what would happen if we applied that logic to other Bible passages? He said such logic might cause us to say that the Ten Commandments were only for men because they say not to covet your neighbor's wife, yet say nothing about coveting someone's husband. Clearly, the principle of the Tenth Commandment included male and female Israelites, and no believer would argue that women are free to lust after someone other than their husbands. Since the Tenth Commandment applied to both men and women, even though the original text only refers to coveting a wife, this passage is for this passage for bishops includes both genders. So I read that and I was just like, I don't know. I don't know. And so like I, 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 it's a, he makes a good point. He makes a good, good point. point, you know, and so I've just been wrestling with it. And I got to the point to where I was just like, you know what? Honestly, I don't care. Because if God is using a woman to pastor a church, preach the gospel or prophesy, and she is propelling the kingdom forward. Praise God. Praise God. That's where I stand. I don't care. Yeah. Like, like, like I'm I, really, I, how can you? How can you see good progress being made? How can you see being saved? How can you see that and then be like, and then just throw that all away and be like, she's a woman that shouldn't be happening. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
you really gonna sit here and act like God is like, um, no, I don't like what she's doing. No, mm -hmm. no. Well, this guy in his book also said that um, he saw a, there was a woman that was pastoring a church, and he and he said that the um, she had a man come and preach, and the man stepped into the pulpit and said, "Well, if God can use a donkey." He was referencing the female pastor of the church. And I was just like, bro, really? <laughs> How are you going to get up in the pulpit and throw shade at, an, at the woman? At the woman? Like, you know, but I, I, I saw another excerpt in his book, and we'll get off this. I saw another expert excerpt in his book, and it said um, he was quoting somebody, and it was somebody from overseas. It said, when the, when the men in the West start using their women, that's when they'll see revival. He said, America oh. won't see revival wow. until they start using their women. But honestly, though. And, and I, I, I have to say this. Um, I, I've got to say this just to, to, to add something to it. Because when, we, when yeah. we look at the pronoun that you use, like you mentioned, of it, it says he, 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 he. Here's the thing, though. There's no reason within that cultural context for it to say anything else. True, right? True. Because because the 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 assumption is only the men are interested in leadership positions. Oh yeah, I mean that was true. In the context of when the scripture was written and in that society, very true, very true. Absolutely. So that that's where I got to the wrestle. So I think in part, at least, that sometimes our wrestle of whether or not women should have certain levels of authority in the church are not really biblical issues as much as they are the cognitive dissonance between us realizing we don't really have enough evidence to hold them back and also what we have become accustomed to as a cultural norm. Yeah, yeah, because it's always been men telling women what they can't do that's the pattern right. i saw as a kid and it was just like i got older did some digging as you and philip have done and there's not really evidence to say there's no evidence that says a woman can't preach because preaching takes on different forms again sure. witnessing uh yeah. like the like mary and mary did in matthew 28 they went and they were the first ones ever ever in all of christendom to proclaim the gospel that he is risen okay so there's nothing so there's nothing that says a woman can't preach but the gray area the very gray area is can they pastor and like i just said i really don't care <laughs> i really don't care i'm in agreement now i will say this to be to be completely transparent on the topic right i i am a recent proponent for women having equal rights because honestly in previous times i didn't it didn't matter to me and it wasn't until i really became a gospel-centered person and understanding the scriptures and my life and the church through the lens of the curse being lifted yes yes what that that has to change your your view of scripture and so when i begin mm -hmm. to look at and analyze the plight of women within the church. And I realize that we are in many ways still trying to hold them under the curse. I just, I can't, I can't be with that. 
when yeah. the gospel yeah. is liberation. Yes, it's not bondage. You know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is liberty. And yes, so I, I can't, I cannot, uh, I cannot um, put people into certain box without having proper context of scripture to do so. So, you know, again, wh where I am, yeah. the reason I bring that up is to say, I personally don't believe I could be under a woman as a pastor. Mm -hmm. And 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 I and, and it's not even really a biblical matter for me. It's a matter of me. I I I can't say that I've evolved to that point that I would be able to do that. And yeah. I don't think that's yeah. wrong. Mm -mm. Someone no. says I can't sit under a woman pastor. It's just not in my nature. I don't feel like I can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But to make that a matter of unequivocally, God said she can't do it. I don't believe we have enough. And like uh, Christy, Christy LaKing, um, one of my friends, she brought up a, a good point. Um, back at NEYC 2019, um, they had brought up the top, the top fundraisers for missions, and they were young people. And it was like six girls to one guy. And the man that was up there, um, you know, narrating and stuff, he said, he looked back, he said, he looked at the crowd, fellas, y'all need to step up. Because as Christy alluded to, there are far more women in foreign missions than there are men. There are more women in church, period. Yes. But not only that, I, I think it has something to do with it. Because of the culture the church has propelled over the past, you could say centuries or even longer, it's like men mainly change the bigger position. Like they'll say evangelism, like being an evangelist, like it's like they don't see a woman the same way. You know, like yeah. four men would try to be, four men would try to be like the type. They want the big, but they would probably the smaller stuff like missions. To women, like they were, want to be a missionary, but the real work that women would do, because mm -hmm. the men would probably look at it as like a smaller work. And and and, I, and, right. and this is something that we have all seen. Like when we think about it, how was it okay for the same people to say talent in the churches, but yet? It's okay for them to be the song leader behind the pastor. Y'all know what I'm talking about, too. <laughs> like, I mean, we found in the churches, but we can play the piano. You know, behind the behind the song leader. So, hey, Phil, I'm having a hard time hearing you, bro. Hang on a second. Is that better? Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, much better. Okay. Um, so it's, it's like, uh, in, the, in that situation Phil, that, that you just brought up, I feel like a lot of the, the men do a lot more clout chasing than the women do. That's kind of what th that boils down to. Um, because in that scenario, uh, it, it seemed, you know, like I said, as if the women were doing ministry just for the sake of doing it, for the edification of the body, for reaching souls. 
And I've just, I mean, and this is just my personal experience. I've just seen a lot of men do a lot of cloud chasing. It's hard for like the reason why there's a there's a lot of disunity sometimes in the church is because men can't submit to men. Like That's submitting true. to your pastor. Why is submitting to your pastor a hard thing to do? Or or why is submitting to a fivefold ministry hard for you to do? I mean, we talked about this last week with the. I mean, yeah, yeah, last week with the with the whole prophets thing. So why why, why is that a hard thing to do? Because because of that culture that's been pushed forward, it's, it feels like men just feel like they always got to be on top. They always got to be, you know, the big boss or something like that. So um, it, it's kind of, that's that's kind of what I I, I saw when I when I um, and Emily just said it, fragile masculinity. Um, yeah, very true. That's when I saw what I saw when I saw that um, that, that that example that Phil talked about at NYC um, was, was kind of kind of that 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 really unequal. I feel like work ethic, unequal attitude. Um, yeah. So yeah, I care. Well, I'll, I'll pass it back to you. I think uh, I think you I think that that was great, Philip. That was great. Emily oh, brought up a good point. Look at this. Oh, wait a minute. Honestly, though, <laughs> I mean. I've seen it a lot. I've Ooh. seen it a lot. <laughs> Here's the truth. This is where I stand with it. And, and I know we got to move on to the next last question. I would rather, and I don't care what anybody says, I would rather an anointed woman than an uncalled man. True. True. That's true. Absolutely. That's true. I don't, as long as you can produce the fruit, go ahead that's where i stand with it i'll, I'll leave it yeah. right there yeah i mean like i i agree i agree i agree um i i honestly it's gotten to a point to where i could honestly care less um it's for the kingdom is god for the kingdom <laughs> that's it and and i've i've gotten to the point to where i say if if god has a problem with it then you won't see a move of god Period. Yeah. yeah. Like you, you can't just you can't Simple. imagine that happen. You can't just. Con- I mean, my mom. My mom made a good point. My mom has told me and my brother this. And and for those of you that men that are watching this, my mom is not just talking out of her head. She's spitting facts. Like she has talked to women who are who are wives to preachers and pastors who prepare their husband's sermons. So it's just like your wife. Think about it, Justin. Your wife prepares a sermon. It has all this. It has all this oil on it, right? <laughs> she put her heart and soul into it with prayer and fasting. And here you come, no prayer, no fasting. Okay, yeah, thanks. Thank you. I'll take this. It's like, it's like Mike Todd said. Who's the real minister here? Yeah, yeah, really. Like who? Who's the real minister? I, yeah, I mean, and I, I'm kind of mad I hadn't thought about that before. I'm glad I'm glad my mom brought that up because that that's a it's a real thing. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's sad because like if you're not called to do that, don't don't end your way through. Don't do it, man. Just, Honestly, just let who those who are called and anointed for the purpose do the work. Right. Just let them do. It. And, and and really, it has nothing to at this point in the church at this point in the world 
it really has nothing to do with gender. At this point, because I mean, we've seen many men, uh, you know, go up to the go 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 to ministry, get to positions of power, and then you know they fall. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're yeah. seeing and we're seeing more and more and more of it these days because of you know social media, you know, people talk to people and stuff like that. Um, so I mean, at this point, really, just for the edification of of the body of Christ, for the saving of souls, it don't matter who you are. Mm-hmm. Facts. It, it really does. And it we, really doesn't. We can look through the Bible and see many instances where God God basically said, "I don't care who you are. I'm still going to use you, mm-hmm. whether you're there's a man." A song. Or, he's done it many a time. Yeah. Um, um, there's a song called "Out uh, a Willing Vessel." Um, I want to be a willing vessel available to you. You know, the thing is, God looks for vessels. God yeah. looks for vessels. That's right. So if you make yourself available to him, he will use you. But a lot of the times is people don't make themselves available to God. Christy made a good, uh, uh, good comment earlier. She said too many want to be served and not to be a servant. Mm. You know, yeah. and a lot of people. You know, when you open your, when you make yourself available to God, a lot of people don't want to serve because, you know, God may require them to serve. And it's just like, no, that's beneath them, you know, in Philip and I's uh, circle, it's everybody wants the mic. That's the thing. Everybody wants the mic. Everybody wants to sing. Everybody wants to play drums. Everybody wants to be in the limelight. But when it comes to stacking chairs, when it comes to picking up trash, when it comes to helping out with an event, nobody wants to do it because it's not something that serves their ego. Um, Joe, before we hit that last question, um, Joseph, the reason that's happening is simply because of lazy men. (laughs) Simply. Um, Why is this happening? I've never heard of this before. Simply because lazy men simple yeah or 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 people honestly that's on the on the the piece of 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 the sermons man look if you don't have a sermon you are not called god will always give a preacher something to preach he will give a teacher something to teach he will give a prophet something to prophesy he will give a pastor people to pastor and he will Mm -hmm. give apostles people to follow him you cannot you don't like and, and you, 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 the clout chasing of men. A big piece of this has to do with the fact, and this will have to be another lie, yeah. is that as much as we beat women down for church in church, we've created a church experience. Yes, that is almost like the only position for a man is in the front. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I mean. It, it, and we have so many little men who the only place where they really feel like they're doing anything with themselves is when it's they're the controlling front. people in church. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that was- so I've found that many men, when their home is out of order, mm. they take that out on the church. Oh, don't, don't don't go there. Don't make them mad now. Don't go there. <laughs> So, so you're a little man. Your wife is controlling you at home. She's got you under her thumb at home. Um, everybody's running over you. Nobody respects you in your house. So you come to church and you're barking. You're a little chihuahua dog barking at everybody and telling everybody what to do. And Lucy, telling women, 
Tell, telling women, you, you can't that, wear this. You can't wear only, that. Not only that, I mean, this has got to be in the life. We got we got to talk about ministry uh, in general. But how many men who may or may not have been called have neglected their families in pursuit of a platform? Yes, sir. That is one Too thing many. I like with. You're fi- as a man, your first ministry is your family. 100. That's what God has charged you with is your family. You're supposed to cultivate your family. You're supposed to minister to your family. And if you're not doing that, you have no business behind a pulpit. I don't care how good of a speaker you are. So many preachers have a horrible testimony at home. Yeah, but people in church think that they are the greatest person in the world. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this this man of God, this man is so incredible. But here it is at your house. Your wife cannot testify that she ever sees you pray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Your children don't know you to really know the scriptures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'd rather Google than ask you what the scripture's talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's just like it's just like um, that, that's why I've seen you've seen um, pastors' wives or preachers' wives kind of jump ship because they're done. <laughs> yeah, they're done. They got to do all the work and 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 he he you know struts around like he's Mister you know big man on campus and she's just like nah I'm good because you know? the easiest part of ministry is in the pulpit. It really is. It re- That's the most fun. It really is. Yeah, it's fun. The hardest, I mean, the hardest part is when you step down from the pulpit and you actually have to, guess what? Minister. 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 And like Philip said, 95% of ministry, and I, I'd even go to say 99% of ministry, happens outside of the pulpit and office. Yes. One-on-one mm-hmm. conversations. That's ministry. Your family mm-hmm. life at home. Uh, attending to your wife's needs, your kids' needs—that's ministry. That, yes. That, that, that I mean, it just—it just seems like that for me because I mean, I've, I've seen yeah. so many people put so much emphasis on, oh, this is such a powerful man of God behind the pulpit. Yet your life is just in a disarray at home, and son, and and and, and, I'm, not, and I'm not I'm not gonna sit up here and pretend like you know just because you're a minister, your your family's life and everything is gonna go perfect all the time. No, 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 no. Yeah. But. I've seen, I, what I've seen, I, I've admired some pastors that do this, is they will, especially yearly, they will take week-long, sometimes month-long sabbaticals with their family mm-hmm. to just tend to their family. Like, nobody, yes. like, just ha- take that time, minister to your family, uh, just bond with your family, just love on your family, and, yes. and you come back, and then you continue. So, and, and right. it goes for any ministry, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a music leader, whether you're an evangelist, prophet, whatever, you should be taking time out just for your family. You should. That's right. Yeah. yeah. My wife and I made that commitment when we first got married. I was already in ministry and, and I've always been very active uh, in, in ministry. And one thing that we do every year, we take uh, a full week off and dedicate time to sabbatical mm-hmm. um, because I, I've seen so many marriages and so many families sacrificed on the altar of the church. And here's the truth. And I know we got to get to the next question, but if you're not there to do it, somebody else will step up. Uh Oh, mm-hmm. see, 
we always think we're so irreplaceable that no one else can can do what we can do or they can't do it as well as we can do it but you need to understand the church was here before you were there and, and it's going to be there when you're not hey caleb hey, Justin, remember some, when, some preachers when used to play the drums once a year <laughs> yeah remember that once a yeah. year the thing is is a lot of pastors well i'm not going to say a lot that's pretty um broad but i'd say some pastors make it to where nobody can step up because they are not training up anybody in their stead and that's another topic <laughs> they're not training up anybody uh, in their or, stead or one family runs the entire church let's leave that alone <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go to the next question, let's leave that okay, alone. Last, question. next question. <laughs> last question why are women in christianity not allowed to have an opinion i would say because of first timothy 2 11 and 12 and ephesians 5 22 and colossians 3 18. ephesians 5 22 talks about you know wives submit to your husbands and colossians 3 18 um talks about the same thing and that's thrown at them you know ever since i was a kid all i saw women must submit women must submit <laughs> women must submit that's all i heard when i was a kid literally that's all i heard that i was a kid um and honestly now that I think about it, there's always been this battle, sort of battle of the sexes in church because it was always men telling women what they couldn't do. And it was always women telling or showing men that they're going to do it regardless. And and sure. honestly, uh, it, it's just been crazy. Like that guy I was telling you about his book, I took another excerpt out of it. He says, opposition in marriage is from sin and leads to death of the relationship. Mm -hmm. The phrase opposite sex God, the phrase opposite sex, God did not make men and women to be opposed. He created them, husband and wife, to be one. Opposition in marriage is from sin and at least a death of relationship. He created the man a suitable counterpart, a complementary partner. One writer has called them a counterpartner. And I looked up the definition, a person or thing that is very like or equivalent to another person or thing. She's filled. She. Oh, no, Caleb, what you do? She filled where he's lacking and he fills where she's lacking. She provides emotional support, perhaps children, and a sense of completeness. He provides her security, life, necessities, and leadership. These roles work in a marriage. They fall apart when we try to apply them to men and women in general or the church as a whole. Women are not my counterparts, only my wife is. Women are not complementary to men. A wife is complementary to her husband. They should be both complementary towards one another as well. The problem with so many who are against women in ministry is that they tried to take what the Bible says about wives and apply it to women in general. Too many make the mistake of taking what the Bible says about wives and apply it to women in general. Yep. And honestly, I echo, I, I, I echo that sentiment. Um, I've always seen that women were not allowed to have an opinion. You know, if a woman decided to speak up, it was always get your wife in line. Like, dude, what is that supposed to mean? Get your wife in line. And honestly, uh, I think it's it's been a sobering process for the church and for men, especially in recent years, to realize that women are are not subservient. They're not things. They're not property. They're no. not somebody who who grows up that has dreams and aspirations but cannot live out those dreams and aspirations because she's a woman and she has to follow her husband around.
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, I, I mean, I think we're, I think men are slowly coming to that, but the church still has a way to go on that. Um, Philip, why are women in Christianity not allowed to have an opinion? Um, I mean, like I've said before, because of the culture, I feel like the church has like pushed over, over the last however many years, you know, it's just been the culture. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's the reason why. And because they, they use scriptures out of context and then they, they try to use that to, make women submit just like they used to do with slaves they used to use scriptures out of context to try to make slaves submit um and because of that um it's that that's really the only problem uh, and and i mean I, I wouldn't say nowadays it's a huge issue um anymore as much as it used to be but um yeah it's 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 uh i mean i mean at least that's how it used to be and especially with us going up like that was, that was no women you can't have an opinion but um i I do like how it's how it's gotten better um i mean at least in 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 the circles that i run i run it now i mean it's it's so much better like i don't that i don't i don't see that anymore i don't see any kind of discrimination towards women anymore and that's why um especially like that's why i love the upci um is because of that reason and it's not like the upci is the only organization that does that no many other organizations do um, but I'm just I'm liking where the church is headed it, when it comes to the gender equality thing um, because it's it's heading in a much better place. Now I'm not going to sit and pretend like like we still have a huge issue. We still I mean there there there's still some issue yes, but it's it's getting better and and the norm is changing and that's what I'm that, and that's what I'm excited to see um, is that the norm is changing and, and women are now being uh, comfortable to walk in what they've been called to do and anointed to do. Um, and they're actually being supported at the same time while doing it. So yeah, that's, that, that's, that's what I do. Justin, what you got? Man, um, so first I wanna be fair and anyone who watches our podcast know I always try to be balanced and, and, and fair. This isn't just an issue in church. But I think the world has a tendency to evolve faster than the church does. Mm-hmm. And in this regard, I think a lot of that has to do with our laziness at biblical interpretation. I have to come back to that again. Always. Because if you begin with stuff like, Eve was deceived in the Garden of Eden. And if the serpent would have talked to Adam, that would have never happened. When you start off with ideas like that. Or serpent seed. You know, you really end up, I'm just skipping all over that. Um, When you start off with ideology like that, which suggests to you, that a woman, see, here's the thing, because there's so many Christians who literally use scriptures like that to suggest that a woman's capabilities of thinking are not equal to a man. So you start believing that you are right by virtue of your gender and not by virtue of your information, mm-hmm. right? And so, and, and even something that I'm learning how to do because nobody, nobody wants to be wrong ever. But men, we are built with a certain amount of ego and pride that God gave us. 
that we have to manage. And so sometimes in managing that, we mismanage it and don't listen to our wives. But the truth of the matter is that our wives are very perceptive. And one thing I am learning as a young husband is that I need to understand that my wife's brain is an asset to me. Yes. But I don't think it's like goes going back to that quote that one of you guys said a, a, a little while ago is that if you guys would use your women, you would see revival in America. The, the, the truth of the matter is that there's so much that is within the mind uh, of a woman and within the heart of a woman that we could use, but but we don't want to have to submit, right, um, enough of ourselves to allow them that space. So the question becomes, are you, are you, dedicated to the mission? Are you dedicated to the kingdom of God? Are you dedicated to what you're trying to accomplish for your family or whatever it is? Are you more dedicated to that than you are to your pride and to you being the one who came up with the idea, to you being the one who came up with the solution, to you being the one who led the charge? Yeah. And I think too many times we are chasing the clout of being the one who did it, that we have to shut the woman down because in many cases, they're smarter than we are. Yep. Not all the time, but in some cases, they're smarter or they just have a different outlook on the situation that is going to work out better. And it is hard and it is humbling to set down your, your, uh, your, pride to say, okay, we're going to go that way. And I'm not saying this as someone who's perfected this by any means at all. I'm saying this as somebody who recognizes it and it's like, hey, I got to work on this because the women in our lives are assets, but we don't see them as an asset. And our failure to see them as an asset is a liability on men. Yeah. 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 Um, that That is so true. I, I really think uh, we'll start closing remarks. Um, I, I really think that we need to get out of that mindset that like Justin was talking about just going for clout, you know, because I think in men's pursuit of clout in the church, um, if a woman came up with something, um, they would suppress her and they would take all the credit for it because they, oh, yeah. this is a, because they know this is a great idea, but they're not going to tell her it's a great idea. They're going to say to it. And then, they use her idea and say, oh, I came up with this. I'm so smart. It's like, no, you dunce. She did. <laughs> you know, so I really think that um, as Emily brought up earlier, it's just a it's a it's an issue of pride. It's an yes. issue of pride that is honestly kept women downtrodden in the church and and made women leave the church altogether or leave the faith altogether. Because anytime I look at comments on Facebook of people talking about the church, People always bring up the fact of how misogynistic the church is, how the women are in bondage, how women can't do this, women can't do that. Women, that is literally the first thing that people bring up. And I really think that, that we really need to change that. We need to look at the Bible within context and change that narrative that we have. Philip, what you got? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, 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 
that's about it. I mean, there, there, ain't, there ain't much to be left to be said. Um, I, at least, at least as far as this episode until we get to next week, because next week's gonna be juicy. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm proud of where the church is going, but we still have some things that we need to tackle. Yeah. And um, I, I think we should uh, just start that norm that, you know, women can do the same things that men can do. They can do more, <laughs> you know, they can they can do what God has called them to do. And we should be yeah. supporting them doing what God has called them to do. Um, yeah. And I think that's the big thing. Like some women may, may want to do what God has called them to do, but may, may, people may not support it just because they're a woman. Um, we should, we should give the same attention. We should give the same energy and same, uh, mentorship and support to women as we do the men when it comes to their calling as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, that's about all I got. Justin, what you got? Yeah. I mean, well, first I want to say y'all need to be in this podcast next week. We're going to bring a girl on and look, we've only scratched the surface tonight. We won't. We still haven't talked about how the purity movement has affected women. We still haven't talked about how the modesty movement has affected women. Women. We're only touching the surface of this. We haven't talked about women in education. Like we, we have, we have only scratched the surface. So I'm just telling you, you need to be here the next week or two, um, because we really got to get into some stuff. Yeah. But to, to close on tonight, I would say. Um, that at the end of the day, we have got to be um, just more dedicated to information and, and, and willing to make improvements. I think so many times we are not willing to get better because we're unwilling to think that maybe the way we're doing things right now aren't right. Mm -hmm. And and we have got to start doing critical analysis on the way that we handle the women and ask ourselves, does the way we handle women bring glory to God? Because it's not just about how we handle women. Mm -hmm. That's a big piece of it, right? But it's not just how does the woman feel or how it's her feelings. That's a big, that's a big piece. But then the next thing is, how does God feel yeah. when we set up systems that hold back, suppress, depress, oppress the women that he has created? What if our systems as men and our thought patterns as men? are preventing women from fulfilling the process that God called them to. Yeah. So number one, how does the woman feel? But more importantly, how does God feel about how you handle your wife? How does God feel about how you handle the women in your ministry? Right. How does God feel about how you handle the women in your family? How does God feel about how you handle the women in your job? Does, does 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 your mindset towards women as a man give glory to God for him forming that creation? Yeah. I think that's important because we forget sometimes when we're dishonoring people that God made them like that. Click allow and follow the instructions. So <laughs> I was like, wait, what is that? Uh, so, so it's so important for us to start realizing that in everything we do, we're giving honor to God. And that includes 
how we handle his his creation of women. Like, and I don't see how misogyny brings glory to God. Nah. And and I'll I'll stop right there. I'm not even gonna go any further with that. Like I said, please be on this podcast episode next week. Like and share this episode. This is the beginning. I want you to start a fire. I want you to share this with all of your friends. I, I want everybody. Hey, talk about this. Share this. Hey, share it with people that you know will disagree. Disagreeing people yeah, will share it. Please so, bring them in. <laughs> bring them in. <laughs> But uh, yeah, like just to say, please, please share this because um, we 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 want to bring awareness to this topic, but we want women who have dealt with this to come forward and speak. Yes, because there are women who have left the church, who have who have kept this trauma, because that's what it is, trauma inside of them that they haven't spoken about. And there's still women who have remained in church who have yet to speak about this, to get this off their chest. So please, yes. like Justin said, share, 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 share. I, I gotta, I, I'm sorry, I gotta say one more thing on this topic. B because I feel like there are women who have convinced themselves that the greatness in them is not of God. That that mm. is an idea of the devil because men have told you that that's not the will of God. Mm. And so you've you've repressed yourself, you have suppressed yourself, and you've allowed yourself to believe that you are not supposed to be great. Mm. And I just want to rebuke that. And I and I want to tell you to loose yourself. I want to tell you to let to take that ceiling off of your potential because um, the only man who can tell you your limits would be God himself. That's right. That's so true. Every yeah. Everyone else is creation. Yeah. And anyone who did not create you cannot tell you what your full potential is. Right. Mm -hmm. That goes for everybody since we're talking about it. Your full potential. None of us here a year ago would have said we're going to start a podcast together. No. You don't know exactly what's in you, but you have to take that ceiling off of your mind to let yourself explore the possibilities. And, and so many women, I know that you, you are you are just holding yourself back or you're allowing yourself to be held back and you are allowing yourself to be convinced that you can't be all of these different things, man. Bump that. This 2021, let your mind go. And that's that's mm -hmm. all I got. And with that, I'll say, like T.D. Jake said back in the 90s, woman, thou art <laughs> loose. And with that, we will see you guys next Friday at 730. Peace. Good night. Appreciate y'all.